I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, well, should we start? Yeah. All right. Your beard scratching is so loud. (laughs) The sound effects on this podcast, so high budget. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show returning to the air this week in the face of what feels like an almost spiteful level of public demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight and joining me once again in our studio deep beneath the English Channel uh, is a youthful-ish chap by the name of Tony Kerr. Evening. How's it going, Tony? Yeah, it's very good, thank you. It's been a while. It has been a while, hasn't it? Sort of, uh, we've been in a football-induced coma for six or seven weeks. I was trying to work out why we haven't done an episode for a while. I mean, this is this is arguably one of our longest breaks ever, and it wasn't planned. I was like, why have we not done one for so long? And I was like, oh yeah, it was the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the price reason number one, uh, and... There aren't any other reasons, really. I'd like to say that it was because, you know, we're both leading these very busy lives now where, you know, sort of our careers and our families have got in the way, but no, it was just football. I mean, that is that is true for some aspects of the rest of the year, but that everything got put aside <laughs> yeah, for the World Cup. Yeah, my relationship is over. I've lost my job, but I did watch a lot of football. And you'll have loads of time for podcasting <laughs> from this point. Well, that's, that's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's, uh, that's, that's a real upshot. That's what you said to me when I told you I'd lost my job. <laughs> Well, on the plus side, mate, loads of time for podcasting. I mean, it was a cracking World Cup, it has to be said. And there were a few people at the end of it going, well, it's cricket's turn next. Big pressure <laughs> on cricket to deliver. It's already a World Cup that people are saying is like, we've been saying it's very problematic. So yeah. the pressure is on. We've also had, well, I'm sure you're going to bring up the weather <laughs> at some point. That's the what? sort of thing you'd do. Right. Uh but yeah. it won't have escaped your... I'm sure that the summer that we've had hasn't passed you by. It has been fairly spectacular. The world may be uniformly getting much hotter you know, at a dangerous sort of rate, but at least we've had a good summer. <laughs> uh, but you can guarantee that next year there'll be a really ropey few weeks while the Cricket World Cup's on, yeah. and it'll be absolutely destroyed by weather. Yeah, I, I would imagine you're, you're probably right, Tane. It's like it's exactly the wrong summer for this to have happened, this weather. Spent a lot of time indoors watching football. I mean, you spend a lot of time indoors watching Love Island. Um, and then, yeah, you can guarantee that next summer it will just rain all the way through the cricket. It has been hot, Tone. You are right. This is the next point in my uh, my notes here, my outline. Hot weather. We've decided to record this podcast on the hottest day of the year as well. And this is the hottest room of the hottest apartment in Guernsey. Yeah. Beads of sweat are already rolling I'm down your face. literally already sweating. And we're only a couple of minutes in. And there's a lot to get through tonight. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I saw a former colleague of mine 
tweeted earlier they work for when you say former you mean because you lost your job during (laughs) yes well yeah they're still working (laughs) uh they were uh, uh, doing working somewhere else now and we're obviously doing a a hot weather piece and they'd said that they'd spoken to someone who uh to combat the heat showers fully dressed (laughs) as a cold shower fully dressed it's the sort of thing i can imagine you doing (laughs) what do you mean that's the sort of thing you can imagine me i don't know i just think that's the sort of thing you'd you'd advocate do like I do, shower fully dressed. What I, I don't really know what kind of <laughs> image of me. Yeah. Just some kind of weird doofus. Yeah. Don't say yeah. Uh, well, it's very hot, so possibly we should crack on uh, if we're hoping to get to the end of this without expiring. There's lots to talk about tonight, Tone. As you know, we've been to a wedding recently and there's some of, some of your antics at that wedding need exploring i think <laughs> so we might be doing that later on but there's also been a phenomenal amount of cricket that has happened in the last few weeks so maybe we should start with that the marquee test series of the english summer is about to get underway but before we get stuck into a preview of that england india test series let's begin with a quick look back on some of the cricket that's been played since we last recorded a podcast which is quite a few weeks ago now there's been lots and lots of of white ball cricket in England. England have played two bilateral ODI series and they've won them both. First against Australia, which they won 5 0, which I believe I'm right in saying is the first time England have whitewashed Australia in a five match series in any format. So that was a big win. It included a game where they absolutely smashed their own world record team total in ODI cricket at Trent Bridge, posting 481 for six. Did that happen since we last recorded a pod? It did. That's terrifying. The last time we recorded was just after the Scotland game. <laughs> was that before the that was before the World Cup? The last time we recorded was just after Mark Butcher <laughs> smashed that one seven three. What an innings that was as well. <laughs> so where should we start? Because I actually remember us saying, like, oh yeah, we'll probably, you know, cricket will take a little bit of a backseat to the football uh, when it starts. <laughs> Wow, were we was that a prescient <laughs> prediction? Yeah. So yeah, you might dimly remember that England posted four hundred and eighty-one for six in an ODI at Trembridge. So yeah, they won that series against Australia very comfortably, and then they came from behind to beat India two-one in a three-match series. So yeah, two uh, very impressive series victories. Some sensational batting from Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy and Alex Hales and and Joe Root in the in the last couple of games against India. Some great bowling as well from Adil Rashid and Moeen Ali and the quick bowlers too. So, I mean, whichever way you look at it, Tone, this England ODI side is a pretty impressive outfit these days. You've mentioned already it's cricket's turn next on the World Cup front, less than a year to go. Are England the out-and-out favourites at this point, would you say? I mean, it's, it feels like a weird thing to say about an England ODI team, but but is there any getting away from it? Yes, I mean, I, yeah, I think they are strong favourites. You know, particularly at home, the, there's a few more Im- impressive things you can probably do as an England side in ODI cricket back to back than the whitewash Australia and then beat India, who the second best ODI team uh, in the world and and formidable in the rankings that is, and you know, obviously formidable in their own right, and, and you know, England and India in the rankings terms by distance those two uh, distance clear of anyone else at the moment so yeah I mean I think you'd you'd have to I mean it, 
yeah, having said in the past that we're not massive fans of five ODI series, uh, it's a shame maybe that there wasn't a couple more in the India series and maybe a couple less in the Australia series. You're never satisfied, are you? No, no, nothing is ever right. <laughs> These bloody schedulers. Uh, but so that's the first mention of the word scheduling. To yeah. Me. Won't be the last. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, mightily impressive. And obviously England's batting dominates really in terms of the attention and the big hitting of, of Roy and uh, and the rest of them. But actually, yeah, particularly against India, the bowling was was really, really very impressive, wasn't it? And, you know, that's, that's not to say that people haven't praised the bowlers over the last couple of years, but, you know, England do look the complete package. Yeah, the bowlers haven't necessarily got the headlines in the same way, have they? And I think people have said, well, you know, that if there is a weakness, it's in the bowling, but they, they were very impressive in these two series and you know Rashid and, and Moeen sort of spinning out the Indian batsman which is not something uh, you very often see and I agree with you I think I think beating India is a real statement like 5-0 against Australia you know it was obviously it was a very good performance but Australia are not a very good ODI side at the moment and particularly given that they were without their entire first choice bowling unit yeah you know, I mean they, they basically arrived everyone went eh? <laughs> like who who yeah so, so you know, maybe you couldn't read that much into that, but India are a very good ODI team and, and the only other team, I think, that could have legit, legitimately claimed to be favourites for the World Cup. I mean, you might still expect India to beat England in India, but then the World Cup's not in India, it's in England. So, yeah, I think England definitely are the favourites, albeit with a year still to go and a lot can still happen. I mean, it was, it was incredibly satisfying, I think, as an England fan, to see England come from behind to beat India like that because yeah as I say yeah they, they squashed Australia but we couldn't read too much into that and then India rolled up they beat England in the T20 series and then they won the first ODI and and by distance they, they yeah. obviously smashed England in the first ODI and Kuldeep Yadav sort of mystery left arm spinner turned them over and England couldn't get near him and you know people were maybe beginning to sort of murmur about whether they're really all that, whether this is all sort of built on quicksand. They just haven't come up against, you know, particularly great bowlers recently. But Root particularly and the other batsmen found a way to play cool deep and they found a way to win both of those games, games two and three. And, and that's the sign of an extremely good team, I think, to be able to adapt and, and get better from one game to another. So yeah, it was really encouraging signs, I think. That series, as you say, it would have probably been preferable to have it the other way around, three games against Australia and five against India, because that India series was very entertaining, and it did feel like maybe it was slightly uh, cut short. It was sort of abbreviated um, more than we would have wanted. Much more entertaining than the Australia series, which was obviously deeply one-sided. I mentioned that world record score. Lots of people were getting very excited about that, uh, and it was obviously a bonkers game of cricket, but I, I, I spoke to you briefly about this about a month ago now, <laughs> and I got the sense that you maybe share some of my unease about it in some way it's it's you know it feels like a very negative line to take on on an event like that but I didn't necessarily get I wasn't necessarily as excited about it as some people were, were and I felt a bit like is it necessarily what we want to see a team scoring 480 in an ODI do you know what I mean yeah uh we were I, talking about do you remember that we were talking yeah. about this in the sea yeah we, we went for a swim with a couple of our other friends and we started talking about it and then they said save it for the pod and not in like uh save it for the pod guys way it was like for f- sake <laughs> yeah. save it for the pod so Cut we so we didn't talk about it then so i thought maybe we could talk about it now yeah i mean 
yeah, it, it's a wider debate, isn't it? But in isolation, that kind of stuff can be entertaining. But yeah, certainly the pattern been along there. Certainly for England, the pattern has been for those scores to be more regular. I mean, one of the arguments I've seen people make is that well, people who don't like those big scores just don't like people being good at what they do, mm. and that actually maybe England are just brilliant. These are brilliant England batsmen, and that that why who's why would you be moaning about someone being really good? But yeah, obviously, the game has changed slightly, and I I, I don't know whether. I don't know if like mentally the shackles have just come off and the attitudes have changed in the same way that attitudes change in society and other areas, like attitudes in cricket and to batting, whereas batsmen may have had, you know, everyone used to talk about 250 being the par score, mm. you know, and yeah, you know, some pitches obviously maybe like 230, 240, people spoke about as being, you know, a good score. And then if you could get to sort of 275, 280, you're in the box seat. Yeah, you, you make 300. It's almost unheard of. So that, yeah, batsmen would start maybe a little bit of a pace in the power play, but then knowing that they're up, you know, up in the, the game on the way to making sort of 250 to 60 would just ease off. But now, you know, the gas is just on from ball one, isn't it? And yeah, maybe had batsmen had a slightly different attitude, uh, you know, in the 90s, that the scores could have been higher. I, I don't know. Yeah, that or is, is the it, bowling... Because it doesn't make sense that the bowling would be worse. No, not necessarily. Although, uh, well, maybe it is worse than it was in the nineties because the nineties was a particular, you know, was a particularly okay. strong era of bowling. But I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and it could, it, a lot of it could be belief that they just believe now that these scores are possible in a way that they didn't believe they were possible before. But I do feel there's there must be more going on than that. And I, all I mean about this is like, you know, obviously I did watch the highlights of that game and enjoy it, but it's just something that makes me a bit kind of. I don't know, just a bit troubled because some people would say that, or some people are saying, you, you can't possibly moan about this sort of thing because, you know, it's just cricket's getting better. But I don't necessarily think it's that cricket's getting better, it's that batting's getting better or batting's getting more productive. You know, there's more runs being scored. I don't know that more runs being scored equals better cricket necessarily. It can do. And I, one of the great things about cricket is variety. And you wouldn't want every game to be a low-scoring game in the same way that you wouldn't want every game to be a high-scoring game. But I just the sort of shift towards 350 being a par score and 400-plus being routine is not necessarily what I want. After a certain point, how many sixes can you see? It did feel a bit like that in that game. It was like, well, there's another six. You know, It's, it's hard to get excited about it when it doesn't feel unusual or difficult for these guys to hit and I agree that the shackles have come off in some senses and you've also got to give the batsmen that we're talking about a huge amount of cre- a huge amount of credit like there's so much invention and innovation and uh, confidence and fearlessness that goes into it I like, can't take anything away from them but you are not telling me brilliant though they are you cannot tell me that Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy and Alex Hales are better players than Verinda Savag and Matthew Hayden and Adam Gilchrist and the guys who weren't capable of getting anywhere close to these sorts of scores 10, 15 years ago. I just don't believe it. So something else is going on and it could be to do with pitches getting flatter or it could be to do with the fact that two new balls are used now so the balls stay hard for longer. I don't know. I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about this but just that that 481, it wasn't the sort of uh, thrilling day that it maybe seemed for me. It's such an outlier as well. Like 
considerably higher than the previous best, which was mm. England, obviously, a couple of years ago. Same yeah. ground. What was it, about 40 runs higher or 30? Yeah, well, so in, yeah, that, the England against Pakistan, 444 for three. And then England, yeah, 481. Mm. And, and it, it, the fact it's at Trent Bridge, as you say, it was the same ground. Both of those were at Trent Bridge. Like, it is a ground that's conducive to those sorts of scores. It's small boundaries and that kind of thing. But it's undeniably true that team totals are getting higher all around the world, aren't they? So something's going on. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I, I certainly wouldn't disagree that... I don't disagree with you that, yeah, I don't want to see... I can't quite how many negatives I've just thrown in there. <laughs> I agree that I don't... <laughs> we, as the cricketing public, don't necessarily want to see that absurd level of hitting all the time. Don't, uh, don't want to not not see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, at the time my reaction was, well, England have let them off the hook a bit there. It would have been nice to see 500. <laughs> they probably should have got 500, actually. Yeah, they they the were well they on course for 500. Into. Yeah. Um, all right, well, should we stop talking about something yeah. that happened like six weeks ago? Yeah, it's breaking news. Maybe move on to some of the breaking news in the world of cricket. Um, because, yeah, in, well, England have announced their squad for the Test Series against India today uh, so we'll talk about that in a bit but let's uh, let's have a let's 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 do our trademark deep dive uh into the test series that's coming up it starts on wednesday the first of august so uh less than a week as we're recording probably only a few days by the time people are hearing this so it's a five test series a few weeks ago tone i i had india down as very strong favorites for this series obviously they're the number one ranked side in the world, and the you know, the, 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 in some ways, that's a, a a position that could be questioned because they haven't really won away from home at all uh, in in the last, or certainly outside of the subcontinent, in the time that they've been number one. But they're playing England, who have a pretty appalling recent record in Test cricket, as has been well documented, not least by us. And when Pakistan thrashed England in the first Test of the summer, I thought they could be in for a bit of a lesson against India. That could still turn out to be the case. But there are maybe a couple of reasons why the outcome now seems a little bit more uncertain. Above all, because India have been hit by a borderline crisis in terms of injuries. So they're going to be be without several first-choice players. Ridderman Sahar, the wicketkeeper, he's injured. Jasprit Bumrah, who made a good start to Test cricket in South Africa, he's injured. And uh, probably most importantly, Bhuvneshwar Kumar, who took a stack of wickets in England four years ago, uh, he's injured. So, you know, for, for the first time ever, it had seemed as though India were going to be coming to England with arguably their biggest strength in their bowling attack. You know, you looked at it and thought, well, that's one of the best fast bowling units in the world. It's still a very good unit, but two of their first choice three are now missing. So that is a bit of a dent. Might not necessarily prove disastrous you know Umesh Yadav and Mohammed Shami are still there both still excellent bowlers and the way the summer is panning out in England as we've mentioned the heat wave that we've been having you know you'd imagine that maybe the the spinners are are going to come into it more than they might have done in the past and that that's really that's the first thing to talk about maybe is the Indian spinners because we've mentioned him already Kuldeep Yadav who was all over England in the T20s and certainly the first ODI bit of a groundswell of opinion that he should be uh, parachuted into the test side as well what what do you reckon saying would would you play cool deep when you look at the way he bowled against England in the test series do you think we've well, got if you were an Indian fan or Indian selector which would be a, a weird 
decision on the part of the BCCI. Right. You know, I will <laughs> give up podcasting duties. I think it'll be quite a fun job. Uh, you know, would you be bringing Cool Deep in on the or the evidence of what you saw in that white ball stuff? Yeah, I think potentially uh, the conditions are certainly going to be swinging that way, aren't they? Or spinning that way. Yes. Uh, it's a poor choice of yeah verb. There. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, towards spin. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, obviously, England. We'll talk about that in a moment. England have uh, have sort of doubled down on on their experience, relative experienced uh, spinners. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would probably would go for it. I mean, I think, as you say, I've just looked at the, the odds, uh, as you were talking about who to make heavy favourites. Yeah, England are evens to take the series, and India 3.2. So England are favourites? England favourites, yeah, See, with the, with the that bookies. That does surprise me. I mean, I, I mean, it does surprise me slightly, because, because obviously India have been so good. I mean, we've spoken about it for, for the best part of three years now. That stupidly long winter of ours, where India sort of just rolled everyone, and then, uh, but then you know, struggled in South Africa. So yeah, they they this is the thing they've got. They've got a lot to prove. They have got a huge amount to prove away from home, and particularly in England, where their last two tours have been catastrophically bad. But they're playing a much weaker England team now than they were in 2014 or in 2011. Well, we'll come on to talk about England. I mean, in terms of cool deep, like I think. You, you, yeah, you asked me the question, but you're obviously the one who's got lots to say about it. It's true. Uh, you've seen three. It's only taken 321 episodes. Yeah, but you've seen through my shtick here, saying, you know, it, England looks so clueless against uh, against him in those first few games that you sort of think, well, it would be a bit of a missed opportunity if they don't pick him. But it's a bit, you know, it is a bit different as a particularly as a spinner in white ball cricket, and we might talk about this more when we talk about England's selection you're bowling in a very different way in white ball cricket when you're a spinner because batsmen are trying to attack you fields you know field is set on the boundary and stuff it's just a very different type of bowling to you know when the batsman can sort of kick it away outside leg stump or whatever or just defend it leave the ball alone so whether it will be exactly that you know whether he'll be able to put the same kind of pressure on bowling the same way in test cricket remains to be seen and the other thing of course is that Ravi Ashwin is the best spinner in the world and Ravindra Jadeja is right up there as well. So they'd have to leave one of them out. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily think that that would be the right decision. But it would be, you know, it would be a fascinating one if they do go with him. In terms of the Indian batting, it's, you know, it's, it's maybe not quite the imperious force that it has been in the past. You know, on previous tours, you'd say, oh, there's a, there's a world-class player in every position in that Indian lineup and they haven't necessarily always delivered but on paper they've had a world-class lineup all the way down i don't know if that's quite the same now kl rahul is a very good player pajara obviously will bat at number three and he's one of the highest ranked batsmen in the world uh, but his record away from home we talk about india's record away from home being much worse than it is at home pajara is sort of that in microcosm his record away from home is markedly different to at home he averages 62 at home he averages 35 away, and even that 35 is really inflated by a fantastic record in Sri Lanka. He signed for Yorkshire this season uh, in an effort to try and rectify that, to try and get a bit of game time in England ahead of this series. But it hasn't really worked out for him. He hasn't he hasn't scored a first-class 50, uh, and he's averaging about 15 in the championship. So not in great form coming into this. So it will be very interesting to see how he gets on. So you would say then, Tone, that a lot is going to depend for India 
on Virat Kohli. And now you might have heard of Virat Kohli. Uh, he obviously had a, a dreadful series in England four years ago. He averaged 13 with the bat, high score of 39. England, the only place he hasn't sort of conquered in Test cricket so far. You'd imagine he's going to be desperate to do well. Do you think he will? <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested to... Well, I'd be interested to sort of get under the skin of... Uh, maybe we'll have to get him on the show. Uh, just in terms <laughs> I like of like... I say that as though, like, you know, all we have, he to, would do, come on, all we have yeah. to do is ask. Yeah. Just give him a text. Just in terms of, yeah, the sports psychology around this tour for him. Uh, because obviously Coley is... Uh, is ludicrously good. You know, I've talked and I've tried to sort of play him down uh, over the years slightly only because I, ju- I just, it sort of naturally gets my back up when there's like absurd amounts of hype. And there, it seems like there are, there are people on the internet who, who literally, whose job it is to produce like Virat Kohli tweets with like c- comparing this, that and every stat uh, and like visualizing just Virat Kohli's career in, in, in tweets and, just slightly I just yeah, I get a bit bored of it it's too much uh, yeah I, I think the pressure is slightly on him but then again if he doesn't go big in England it doesn't make him a bad player and it certainly wouldn't rule him out of any discussions about who's the best hmm. player in the world or you know in a few years how great was was he because clearly he's already achieved a huge amount so I, I, I'd be just interested to know how he's approaching it mentally yeah so uh, it, it doesn't as you say, it wouldn't rule him out of conversations about who's the best player in the world or the best player of the era. The fact that he failed in England four years ago doesn't mean he's a bad player. Like Players have bad series, don't they? Joe Root has a bad record in Australia. He's had two pretty poor series down under. doesn't mean he's a bad batsman, does it? No, so, and I guess the, yeah, the, the fact is that these series don't come around very often. Hmm. Yeah, he's going to get... Well, he gets oodles of opportunities to bat long in his backyard but but i guess what's to come maybe, to england and prove it what's maybe slightly different in england to other parts of the world is that it's generally one of the only parts of the world where the ball really swings so that you know if if someone had like a poor record in sri lanka or something you'd say well that you know that's a bit strange or it's like if they had a good record in india but a bad record in sri lanka it wouldn't necessarily say much about their technique but if someone succeeds all over the world but can't score runs in England there is that little asterisk that you think well is it just that actually when the ball moves around and it's actually the most challenging conditions to bat in they couldn't cut it it's very difficult when the ball swings not many batsmen are good when the ball swings yeah I know that's that's probably the only way that it's slightly different in England to elsewhere yeah and I I take that point except for then the the good England batsmen who struggle in the subcontinent or go to India just can't work out how to bat yeah well but that's also that's also a legitimate criticism then, isn't yeah. it? If, if someone can't score runs in the subcontinent when the ball spins, then you'd have to say, well, that that's a mark against them being like, they're not a complete player, are they? I mean, and that's it. As, as poor as well, you know, recently as poor as England have been in the last couple of years, relatively uh, in test cricket, they still have produced good results at home and it's mm-hmm. it's still not an easy place. I mean, what? what I don't. Even, yeah, England. When was the last series defeat for England at home? Do even know? Uh, the top of my more head, than, Sri Lanka, more than three years Sri Lanka, twenty fourteen. I reckon. Yeah, but that was a two test series, and it was a bit of a weird series. So yeah, they do have a great record at home, and it is very difficult for visiting teams and for visiting batsmen, particularly. So yeah, it, it's it really is going to be fascinating to watch 
how Cody gets on, but I think he'll have a really good series. I, I, I don't think he does have a problem against the swinging ball particularly. I fully expect him to score a lot of runs. I reckon he'll get 100 in the first test. As a prediction for you. Okay, good good prediction. <laughs> <laughs> so staggered by me yeah. sticking my neck out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't rule it out, certainly. <laughs> it's more... Yeah, it's more likely than certain other things I could imagine. That is uh, that's a brave prediction. And we're going to talk about uh, England. I was trying to think of who the other team involved in the series. <laughs> we're going to talk about England, obviously, in a moment. I was held up a cue card. <laughs> we're going to talk about England. But, yeah, Jerry obviously scored a couple of centuries. England have, have won a couple of ADI series. It doesn't sort of... And the most recent test they've played... But it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't whitewash the issues that were there before. There are still issues, and yeah, we're going to talk about. It. So, uh, yeah, maybe if, as you say, India aren't quite full steam, they're probably not going to have many better chances. They're not going to come up against England teams in this situation that often. No, that's true. It's definitely the weakest England team they've, you know, that India have come up against in England for a long, long time. Well, let's talk about England. Then, as you, as you mentioned, they are the other team involved in this series. They've announced their squad. It was it was quite a eyebrow raising squad, really, wasn't it? The big headline uh, is the recall for Adil Rashid, uh, who yeah has been brought back in to play Test cricket despite no longer playing red ball cricket at all for Yorkshire. He signed a white ball only contract with Yorkshire in February. He hasn't played any red ball cricket since last summer. Um, but he's been brought back into the team on the strength of some very good performances uh, for the England white ball teams. And possibly, specifically, for one delivery, he bowled to Virat Kohli, which was a brilliant leg break that completely foxed him and, and clean bowled him. So, yeah, Ed Smith, the chairman of selectors, uh, has, has had a lot to say. He's had a wild summer so far, <laughs> hasn't he? Uh, but what, what have you made of that decision today, Tim? Were you surprised? Yeah, slightly. There were sort of rumours, weren't there, that yeah. it might happen, but did, did you really think it would? That's it. Uh, yeah, to go down that route, it would, be, it would be really interesting to know the ins and outs of those discussions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can kind of see both sides of the reaction. Because Yorkshire have been quite upset yeah. about it, haven't they? They've actually come out and said this is a joke. Pretty know. livid. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, completely understandable. I mean it's a bit of a mess from their perspective. Uh, you know, the, the fact as well that the Rashid, they've got him on a, a white ball contract, missed a bunch of stuff whilst he's playing for England and then had to draft in, draft in a lone spinner uh, into their championship team. Yeah. So they were, they, they didn't have a spinner available for their, for the Roses match. Yeah. And it was, it's that week where actually all the other England players were playing championship cricket because the, India series had finished, so Rashid was just like sat at home or whatever. Yeah, but they couldn't call on him. I think they even asked him, and he said no. So yeah, you can sense why Yorkshire are a little bit miffed over the situation, and you know, county cricket fans or, or county cricket diehards in general, uh, slightly miffed by this. You know, the flip side, you know, the other argument is that well, Rashid is one of England's best, if not probably their best spin bowler. So regardless of the situation get him in the side and I, I kind of sympathize with that as well uh it's probably not it's not the ideal situation i'm sure everyone would have wanted a different kind of set of circumstances to to develop over the last well since rashid made that decision 
but it hasn't quite. And that, I think that's what Ed Smith has said as well, isn't it? He said, you know, it, it, this is kind of a peculiar situation from next year. That anyone you know being considered for England will have to be playing Championship cricket. Yeah, that is that's a bit of a weird thing, though, isn't it? Well, or it's, it's a bit of a cop out. Yeah, it's like a, you know, it's like a parent being like, "All right, well, you can have this biscuit, but from tomorrow night, there's going to be a regime change around here." <laughs> yeah. um, so, so yes, I can see both sides, and I guess really the, I think there's more. Uh, yeah, I think the ECB and Ed Smith should have been stricter than I'm take the easy way out. It's not, but uh, they perhaps should have been a bit more disciplined, not taking the biscuit. But the, the just the situation, the fact that the situation exists is probably the most worrying part. I just don't think the ECB, you know, the, the, it, there's this whole, you know, we'll talk about the hundred, I'm sure, later as well. We'll be here all night. <laughs> but just the whole situation within English cricket at the moment, it, I just no one's pulling in the same direction. No, absolutely. it's all going off in. It's just everyone's running all over the place. And also the fact that they they didn't feel there were any other spinners that they could yeah. call on really. So like, they, Don Best played the two tests against Pakistan. He's been dropped by Somerset. They felt they had no other choice, really. But that that's pretty worrying in itself, isn't it? I don't know. I'm, I'm it's like you. I'm a bit torn on it. In that it, it's possibly being a little bit overblown. The idea that well, you know, you've got to be playing Championship cricket if you want to be considered for England. Because actually, in the past, and since Central Contracts came in, how many Championship matches do England players really play? How many Championship matches did Kevin Peterson play during his England career? Probably about five. He never played championship cricket. Um, yes, in the last couple of years, it's been a little bit strange because, uh, you know, there was that period early in the season, wasn't there, this year, where there was a lot of... The England players played a lot of championship cricket. There was a bit of a window there. You've got guys like Anderson and Broad and Cook who only play test cricket now who are available for more championship games. Uh, but actually, uh, yeah, a lot of players over the years have played a handful of championship games at most. But it is a bit different, isn't it? If if they were to say, actually, no, I'm not going to play any red ball cricket anymore. It's a bit of a worrying precedent to set for England to be picking Rashid off the back of just white ball cricket because it does mean that other players... Oh, right, yeah, they've said, yeah, well, from next summer, that's going to be the rule. But if some other player, um, you know, say it was... I, you can't say who it happening. Who's the other one say, who... Well, Hales is the other yeah, one sorry, who's Hales, done it. Yeah. So if Hale, like Hales is scoring loads of runs, isn't he, in, in white ball cricket for England. If he continues doing that and England are having problems, I, I understand that it's slightly different because there's always more batsmen to pick where there's only a handful of spinners. But would England, you know, England are saying, yes, you from next season, you have to be playing red ball cricket to be considered. But if there's another situation where they think, well, we're desperate for a player here and he's in really good form... They've already done it this year with Joss Butler, who hadn't played any championship cricket this season, had barely played red ball cricket in the last few years, and they brought him back into the test side. They do seem to be saying that you don't really need to be playing red ball cricket to be considered. And maybe that's the future. And I, you know, is it necessarily the end of the world if they're not playing county championship cricket? But it is a bit worrying for the county championship. It, it's yeah, just it's a bit um, of a kick in the teeth for Yorkshire and the county system as a whole and the other players the other spinners out there who are putting in the hard work and, and trying to get noticed well, I guess the the you know for Bess and Leach the bit of injury there mm. and well I, I got well, from what I've read they're both going to be in the England camp bowling in nets and presumably just hanging out they'll be organising the With, quiz yeah exactly <laughs> the, With injury, the Fortnite tournament they'll be in charge of 
but but yeah exactly yeah i can definitely see both sides and i I don't know really what the answer is other than just sort it out the i think just the ecb's got sort everything <laughs> just out just sort the it out lads really yeah that's my solution <laughs> so dave uh, david hops in crick info uh, just opened his article today with the selection of Adil rashid in england squad for the first test will go down as one of the great betrayals of county cricket mm. i mean there's a lot of strong stuff floating around today if rashid takes 30 wickets in this series then you've got to say fair enough but It'll, you know, there's a, there'll be a lot of pressure on him and a lot of pressure on on Ed Smith. Not that you can see much behind his sunglasses. Yeah. You can't see whether it's uh, whether it's coming to bear. I mean, how, how are you assessing England's chances in this series? Then we we know what a terrible winter they had. We know what a terrible start to the summer they had. But they did win the second test against Pakistan, obviously, and win it well. And they have had a great few weeks in in white ball cricket, which has changed the mood a bit, hasn't it? Although all the news about the hundred this week has has brought it back down. But is that is that mood change? Is that good good feeling after the white ball series? Is that a bit misleading? I don't know. What what are their chances for for this series? No, I think the the momentum in the camp has spun a bit towards. Uh, yeah, the momentum's definitely you know going back in England's direction a bit off the back of those results. Uh, but yeah, you know, overall, you still look at the side and you think, well, still pressure on the batting lineup. You know, great to see Root get back to back hundreds and. You know, that could do wonders, couldn't it, for his 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 confidence, his mentality. You know, if he has a good series, then, you know, England's chances go through the roof. But then there are, you know, there are other, you know, we don't still don't really know much about where Keaton Jennings is at, at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Anderson's been injured. He's back bowling now. But, you know, that's a concern, isn't it? We know how important he is full stop but it's been particularly successful against India in the past he has 86 wickets against India which is more than than any other opponent apart from Australia yeah I mean it's there are reasons to be nervous aren't there as an England fan but equally reasons to be perhaps more optimistic than we we ever thought we'd be after that that first test against Pakistan so yeah we were really well exactly i mean the reaction to that test was was pretty damning isn't it that has subsided somewhat <laughs> it's like, it was just so out of proportion wasn't yeah. it <laughs> some people's reactions some people uh, do you want a quick composite 11 before yeah we move go for on? it just what i mean just it is quite an exciting series i know we've said this a few times and then at the end of the series gone yeah it wasn't really much was it? <laughs> it was a bit flat wasn't it but uh you know five tests you know obviously india massive team mm. uh Best team in the world. Yeah, I mean, on, this is exciting. And, you know, both squads, you know, there are opportunities there for people to make you know, make names for themselves. Well, speaking of names, do you want some names in this composite 11? Yeah. I've surprised myself with the selection of this team. <laughs> so like 8-3 England. <laughs> so I've got uh, Alistair Cook and Kale Rahul, then Pajara, even though I've slagged him off, uh, then Root and Coley, completing the uh, middle order. Ben Stokes is the all-rounder. Bairstow with the gloves. Uh, and then three seamers, Anderson, Broad and Mohamed Shami. And I've gone for Ashwin as the spinner. So that is actually six from England and five from India. So more from England there. Is that a sort of horses for courses selection? A bit, yeah. Certainly if this series was being played in India, I'd have probably picked a second spinner. It would have been <laughs> Jadeja. So... Yes, you could say that. I mean, it it also speaks to the thing that we've talked about a lot, where like on paper, England do have a really good team. They've got some world-class players in their team in Cook, Root, Broad, Anderson, Bairstow, Stokes. Those are the the six 
England players that I've picked, they're all world-class players, aren't they? But they just haven't really been delivering in test cricket for quite some time. So it remains to be seen. But it, it's despite that, it's, it's difficult to leave any of them out. Yeah. I was up all night over this. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, and it's what a classic summer we're having so far. Uh, you know, not in all parts of the world, but certainly in our little corner. Weather, football. Love Island. Yeah, exactly. All the all the boxes ticked. You know, this has the potential to be a, a vintage series for me, which is enticing. And, you know, it's going to go all the way. We're going to run deep into, uh, well, it's July now. starts on the 1st of August. But, yeah, you know, we're going to be talking about this till the middle of September. Yeah. Good God. Do you want to give me a prediction? <sighs> yeah, it's a really hard one. Well, that's what you get paid the big bucks for, Tane, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. 3-1 India. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I ju- yeah. Very interesting. It's tough, isn't it? Because there's very few draws in Test cricket these days. So you sort of feel like, I was going to predict 2-1, but I thought, is there going to be two draws? So I may have to go for 2 all. But I would lean, I'm, I'm weighting it a bit towards India. I think it's more likely that India will win than England will win, but I'll go for two all. Yeah, I'm quite surprised that the bookies have got Englanders as favourites. Uh, I mean, I just, it's very tough to call. It's I don't just know. that record away from home for India, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's, well, it's very poor and, you know, it feels slightly false that India are top of the world rankings because they just don't win away from home. But as you say, they will almost never, if ever, have a better opportunity to win in England than this. But uh, yeah, it's exciting. It could be a classic. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Tim, well, let's move on. Uh, This section of my notes is titled Other Stuff. There have been a couple of other test series going on around the world in the last few weeks, both of them on paper quite intriguing, uh, but both in reality turning out to be a bit of a bust. Uh, West Indies hosted Bangladesh in Jamaica and Antigua. And I thought going into it that Bangladesh might win that or at least run West Indies very close. Uh, But in the end, they were completely outclassed. They were bowled out for 43 in the first innings in Antigua, which is the lowest score in Test cricket for 44 years. And things didn't really get much better from there. Kemar Roach and Shannon Gabriel and, and the other West Indies quick bowlers were just far too good for them in both games. Jason Holder had probably his best Test match in the second game, uh, at least with the ball, taking 11 wickets. And that was nice to see because he's not always, you know, he's got a lot of 
potential, doesn't he, Jason Holder? He seems like he should be a phenomenally good cricketer, but he hasn't necessarily translated that into uh, performances. But yeah, um, 11 wickets there. That was a, a really great display. The other test series, uh, again, caught the eye on paper, was South Africa in Sri Lanka, You know, which seems really intriguing, doesn't it? South Africa obviously reeling from the loss of A.B. de Villiers, but have had some very good results recently and have been showing signs of developing into a seriously good test team again. And they tend to do better away from home than other teams, uh, but not in this case. Two enormous defeats by 278 runs and 199 runs. They were bowled out for 76 in the first test and only once made it to 200 in their four innings. 37 of their 40 wickets fell to spin. I mean, what do you think, Tone? Is this? I don't want to get into a big test crickets in crisis discussion, but is this more grist to the mill for the test cricket <laughs> is in crisis discussion? You know, one of the reasons that it's in crisis or perceived to be in crisis is because everybody is struggling to win away from home uh, and results are becoming quite predictable in that sense. And well, yeah, here we've got two more occasions where the away team have got absolutely battered. Uh, so in that sense, not a great couple of weeks for Test cricket. No, I agree. As a sort of a neutral observer, although, yeah. So the quality. What are you talking about? The quality of Test cricket, or potentially the audience for Test cricket. Just talk Both. about talk about whatever you like. Only because hey. I, you know, you'd think actually that teams winning at home would in, would Test cricket would become more popular because people like to see their own team winning. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So even like, would you rather? see a few defeats we just do you want your t- see well i don't know do you want to see your team win all the time that probably yes but it sounded like we were playing a game of would you rather yeah then. would you rather <laughs> which i'm not sure i want to get into with you but yeah no i i, I take your point that you you've got to have some some competitive games otherwise there's no point you may as well all meet in a neutral venue but then the point i'm trying to make is that crowd wise you know, crowds enjoy seeing their own team win. Well, they do up to a point, but if it's... I mean, they do. Like, if England win the Ashes in 2019 5-0 and absolutely, you know, flatten Australia in every game, I'm sure the crowds will be absolutely loving it. But I don't know. I think... Would you rather England win the... India crumble in this series and England win 4-0 again? Or 5-0? Yeah. Or 3-0? Yeah. Uh, Or India who are the top side in the world come and win 4-1 and you're like well that's good because it's yeah. yeah test cricket's alive that's a good question i'm gonna do a tony kerr and wriggle out of it <laughs> by saying what i want for, like ideally what i want is you for want probably, a 4-3 with a, a 90th minute winner 4-3 <laughs> i want england to win 3-2 or even a two or draw or something I, I just want it to be close i don't really want england to win 5-0 like that would be that would be pretty disappointing to me when it happened in 2011, that was one thing because Test cricket was very competitive at that point and England hadn't been that good before and that was a surprise. But in 2014, although England got off to a very poor start in that series, they ended up winning it comfortably and by the end it just wasn't very interesting. And I, 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 just, I want good Test cricket, really. Even If England end up winning 5-0 but every Test is really close, then great. But if every test is won by innings. I mean, that's just not interesting, is it? I know someone a while ago, or probably quite a few people have said it, but we talked about it, you know, this thing of like, almost every test match seems to be like a, it's like an audition for test cricket. Mm. Or like, it, it, it's make or break. It's on trial. I kind of feel like now with test cricket, it's like that, 
the sort of friend who's got this relationship problem, which they keep telling you about. They're like, oh, it's awful. Like, you know, not awful, but I've got these issues. You give them advice and like, they don't take it. And then you're like, well, either take it or, you know, stop talking about it. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the sense that like, you know, the sort of the issues with test cricket have sort of been widely identified and yeah, you know, sort of the pitches and, and scheduling and stuff. Is it time for? I I, it, I think the issue with Test cricket is that no one can really take it by the scruff of the neck and kind of make those positive changes. So, do we just need to let it crack on and then re you know revisit the question in say three years time? Won't give us much to talk about. <laughs> but do we just park it now? Yeah, was that your way of telling me to stop <laughs> bringing it up on every episode? No. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Though I it's do like, know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just play it. Just play it. At some it. stage, we maybe just need to let it play and then yeah. and then go like, oh shit, it's done. Or it's like, actually, it's all right. It's not as bad as we feared. I don't know. Yeah, constantly talking about the crisis probably doesn't do much to, to resolve the crisis, yeah. Well, away from Test Cricket, something that we should definitely mention is the breaking of a very long-standing record in ODI cricket. Fakhar Zaman of Pakistan this week became the fastest player to reach 1000 ODI runs. So that is a record that was originally set by Viv Richards in 1980. It's been equaled by quite a few players in recent years. Kevin Peterson, Jonathan Trott, Quinton de Kock and Babar Azam all did it after 21 innings like Viv. Uh, well, Fakar's done it in 18 innings. So he's absolutely smashed the record. Which is, you'd have to say, Tane, a pretty remarkable achievement. Yeah, I mean, that's a long-standing record. And he's, yeah, as you say, he's not just edged it. He's gone past it by a mile. Mm. I mean, he obviously had that phenomenal star in the Champions Trophy last summer. Yeah. And everyone at that point said, well, this guy's got quite a career in front of him. And he's certainly, he's kicked on from there, hasn't he? I mean, he scored a bucket load of runs against Zimbabwe, didn't he? Well, that's it. So it's It's a bit of a strange record, that fastest to a thousand runs thing, isn't it? Because... It's actually not, it's not that, a lot of runs. Yeah, it's not a lot of runs. It's not that big a sample size to draw too many conclusions from. And it could be, it's possible that it's, you know, that any kind of thousand run sample is some kind of purple patch. So it might not mean that he's going to go on and have a really successful career. And as you say, a lot of his recent runs have come against Zimbabwe, including a, a double hundred. So in that sense, you could say he's a bit of a lucky fucker. Um, that's terrible but, that might be your worst <laughs> joke ever and, but yeah so if you if you look down the list of players who have got to a thousand runs in less than 30 innings so, some of the other names in there Yazir Hamid Nazir Jamshed George Bailey Upal Taranga I mean none of these guys are like greats of the ODI game necessarily Michael Atherton did it in 25 innings which is quite astonishing <laughs> when you consider the way that he played cricket. So, yeah, it doesn't mean that he's going to go on and be one of the greatest ODI batsmen ever. But I think it's the fact that he's broken it so comfortably with three innings to spare that is so startling, isn't it? Yeah. What What did he bang? Like 200? He did get a double yeah. 100, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at the next few, yeah, so Viv, KP, Trot, Dukok, Babarazam. I've said all this already. Yeah. I'll just... So, so, looking at it and reading it out loud <laughs> but yeah i, I mean just, I they're just enjoy all reading. decent aren't they yeah, he's put himself in the in the frame well the last thing i want to talk about tone is the t20 blast 
which is well underway. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about the hundred at the moment, and the, you know the, the new competition that, in theory, well, it was originally supposed to replace the blast, but now the blast is going to continue as well. As but anyway, there's, there's a quite a bit of scrutiny then on the blast this season, and it it seems to be holding up pretty well in terms of uh, attendances and excitement in the cricket. Lancashire are top of the North. Is it North Group or the North? Well, anyway, Lancashire atop of <laughs> the North. <laughs> the North. With Durham in second place. Uh, and Kent and Gloucestershire are joint top in the South. Um, so, yeah, there, there's some distance to go still, but it's been an exciting competition so far. I went to a game, Tone. I was in London last week and I went to Lords to see Middlesex play Somerset went along with the friends of the show Nick Nick and Dim and recently returned to London correspondent <laughs> Gordon McRae that's the first T20 blast game I've been to it's the first T20 I've been to it was interesting for me having I mean as you know Tone I have always really loved T20 uh, so I'm not some kind of you know MCC blazer wearing uh, purist but just lately, I've been feeling a little bit more negative towards it in the sense that, you know, it's suddenly sucking in all the attention and people are talking about it as being the future of cricket or the only future of cricket. It's going to be the thing and that Test cricket will die out and it'll just be T20. And I don't, you know, and I'm worried about that. So I've become a little bit less keen maybe in recent times, but I really enjoyed this game. And it, it, it was a bit of an eye-opener in some ways because it is... It's very easy to understand what you know what the appeal is for a lot of people. It is it's a great night out. There's no no doubt about that. One thing I really like that I hadn't necessarily noticed on the TV is that they just really get on with it. There's very little faffing about to the extent that you know the interval between innings. We went off to get some food. It was a bit of a queue, but it didn't feel like we were away for that long. And as I was coming back up the stairs, and a wicket fell, I was I thought, oh, you know, it's. It's just restarted. We might have missed the first few balls and a wicket fell. And the announcer was like, and out for 47 is, uh, <laughs> I was like, just couldn't believe that we'd missed the first like six overs. I know you've been to cricket uh, recently. You were, you went to some cricket last week yeah. as well, but that was, uh, was that a four day game or a longer game? Yeah. I went to uh, Charlton College. So I was in, in the area. I uh, watched a, a few hours, it was, it was many hours as my girlfriend could put up with of uh, Gloucestershire against Sussex. Do you want me to give you my observations now or, or are you not quite finished? I always love a bit of uh, observational comedy from Tony Kerr, but all I was going to say is that, and you may, maybe will go on to uh, to expand on this, but is it's pretty amazing really that cricket, you know, that the, the same sport is able to draw in such radically different types of audience. So at the T20, you know, people are getting up like, as the bowler's in his delivery stride, like people are just standing up to go to the bar, which is in one way quite annoying. But it's also like, I can understand why families love this and it is a great vehicle for bringing cricket to new people because it, there's even at Lords, there's not that kind of like hushed sort of pressure that people might feel or that people might f- think that cricket has this certain code of conduct that it expects of its audience. And um, I really liked that and it was just, it was fun. It was really fun. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I went to a Blast game a couple of years ago, and to be honest, I don't remember a huge amount because I was, had quite a few beers at the match. Well, I'll, I'll just put a flag in that because I'll come back to that point. Yeah, but yeah go on. and quite a few beers after the match, so memories of <laughs> most of that evening are pretty, uh, pretty few and far between at this point. But uh, but it was absolutely packed. Yeah, absolutely packed. And the, as you said, the attendances. I mean, the attendances last year were really strong, and they're up this year considerably, aren't they as well? Mm. <sighs> It was it was more or less a full house at Lords. Yeah, and that's again that's awesome. Uh, it's hard to argue with. It's it very hard to argue. I, I suppose from maybe from the ECB bod perspective, the thing about it though is to a national sporting audience or on the national sporting agenda, it just gets no attention, does it? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not even. It's just nowhere near, and uh, you know, obviously England are playing cricket at the same time. There's only so much cricket that can hit the front page mm-hmm. of the BBC Sport website or the back page of the paper when there's, you know. So, you know, I can see why the ECB would want to get cricket and domestic cricket onto at the top of the the tree in terms of exposure. The flip side is, though, that, yeah, you know, probably at a local level in terms of local media, that those, that the cricket's probably getting a fantastic exposure. What, like in should I think of it? Gloucestershire yeah, or well, something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the, well, in Lancashire. It's a little bit of attention in the media, but also, yeah, you've got a, you've got a packed house of people who are enjoying it. Well, yes. So uh, it is very difficult to argue with that, but I, I think coming back to what you, you said about how you can't remember any of it, I can remember that game I went to see because it was only a week ago and I didn't drink anything, unlike you. Uh, but, you know, as Somerset won the game relatively comfortably in the end. But will I remember much about it in a year's time? I mean, it's... Are you asking too much of your, of, of it, though, to, to remember Possibly, it in a year's time? but it does just feel like it is a fantastic night out, but in a sense, that's all it is. And to like to feed into what you're saying about it's just not getting much national coverage, for me, it's because it doesn't matter. It's just very disposable, isn't it? It's it's a brilliant night out, but you know people aren't don't necessarily care that much about the result. They just want to be entertained. And there's nothing wrong with that, but... You contrast that for me with Test cricket, where yes, it's tremendous entertainment, but it also, to me, matters a huge amount. I really care about the result. Obviously, I care because I support England, but even if I'm watching Australia play South Africa, it feels like there's weight on this bit of sport. Like it, it matters in a way that Middlesex v Somerset doesn't matter, or that even an Australia South Africa T20 doesn't matter, and it's just. It's just a conversation to have, isn't it, about that idea of sport as entertainment versus sport as something a bit more than that. And I'm not sure that T20 is ever going to get beyond that just entertainment thing. Yeah, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a it? bad thing. It I is, mean, in itself, it's not a bad thing at all. You know, you look at but, football, which is the the sport which probably all other sports are mm-hmm. they're envious of to some extent in terms of obviously like the money, the exposure, the attention... But there's an argument that football, for a lot of people, has actually gone. It just matters too much. Like everything is like life and death, and mm. I, yeah, that's yeah. Arguably, that makes it great as well. But I don't know. You know, you, you certainly at a Premier League level, uh, you know, how many fans go to the game, watch their team lose, and and, and aren't furious. Mm. It's kind of it's almost gone the other way. Like very few people are going to the game, like singing their songs, and then oh yeah. Maybe that, maybe that's not that's the wrong generalization. Maybe I'm just, Twitter is is doing that. Maybe you know, yeah. I'm not a season ticket holder at 
Arsenal, but the impression I get that is if Arsenal lose, maybe that's just, again, that's maybe that's just Arsenal fan TV, mm-hmm. but the pe- do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's actually it's all, that's almost like too far the other way. The people have stopped being entertained by it, and they just, yeah, they're actually just like just it just angers them, yeah, because <laughs> it just matters too much to them. Well, that's true. Yeah, it, you can, it, you can definitely go too far, and the idea that sport isn't entertainment is absurd. Like fundamentally, it has to be entertainment in the same way that fundamentally all film or television or novels have to be entertainment at some level but you know i suppose it's the difference between some great film like the shawshank redemption or norbit or something you know compared to uh, you know like some like proper give me a film like the godfather or something something that people care about compared to some summer blockbuster the avengers or whatever like it's don't say that because people really care about the Avengers. That's true, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. some some blockbuster that's just there for people to watch with a bit of popcorn, and and that's great. It's doing that. It can do that really well, and it's also really important. But I don't know. Just compare. So my experience of going to the T Twenty compared to Test matches that I've been to, I really enjoyed it. It was a brilliant experience, but it, I couldn't escape the feeling that it was just maybe something missing because I wasn't really invested in the result and obviously I'm not a Middlesex or Somerset fan so maybe that's the difference but it didn't seem to me as though many people around me particularly cared about the result either is the issue you know a large part of the issue just that the, the best players in the country aren't playing well for most of it like so well the game I went to Owen Morgan was playing Dwayne Bravo was there um, there were quite a few internationals playing in terms of like what the ECB is trying to do with the 100 creating a window where domestic the best players in the country will be playing in a domestic tournament that i think they are along the right lines with that on that basis mm. yeah well no but then obviously true. it's been yeah it, I, like the hundred is almost more bonkers than brexit isn't it at this point <laughs> like yeah, just it's it's a bigger saga <laughs> well we'll only find out whether the hundred has been a worthwhile investment in sort of 50 years time would you say no, so hang on, what is, it's, it, the, 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 this could be 12 players or 15 mm-hmm. per side. That's yeah. the latest one. 15 a side, potentially, yeah. With substitutions, right? I mean, just why? Just, why I, you know, some people have pointed out, you know, things like this have been tried in cricket yeah. in the past around the world. But literally the first thing they came out with when the 100 was, was, was announced was, it's, it's, we're gonna, you know, it's for women and children. Yeah. Why you then what to make it less to make, complicated? Yeah, to make it less complicated, like how does how is having substitutions at very uh, I, I don't even understand it. Well, and also it's amazing when you not that I'm a genius or like I'm a man, so I, <laughs> obviously like, I could understand. Even it, I, but... as a man, <laughs> might, <laughs> might find it hard to you understand. Know, yeah. I do know what you mean. It's amazing when you consider that when you consider the amount of criticism that they've had for this idea <laughs> that they were then like, what else can we do? <laughs> you know, it's pretty extraordinary really. And you wonder if they're just like digging their heels at this point yeah. and just saying, well, oh yeah, we, you thought that was bonkers. Well, what about this? Like yeah. actually just, actively just trying to piss people off. Yeah. Trolling. Exactly. I mean, it feels like it feels unsustainable. Like it can't possibly happen, but we thought that when they first announced that it was going to be hundred bulls and, now they're saying, are they saying 20 overs of five balls? 25 ball overs, yeah. I mean, that makes slightly more sense, but I still don't really get it. I, d- I don't get what you're really achieving there, apart from shortening the game. But 
you could have a shorter game of normal number of overs. You know, you could have a 14 aside game. We play that in uh, in Guernsey Evening League Division 3 often enough. If they do manage to get make a success of this mm. it'll be it surely Hang on, are will... we talking about the 100 or Brexit yeah <laughs> well both I guess but uh, if they do manage to make a success of it they salvage it and it becomes a good thing it'll be one of the greatest like rescue operations mm. just in the history of anything it'd be like it's, I'm just, all I can think of is Indiana Jones where the, the plane's like falling down and then or, no, or like any movie where the plane's just going down and then the engine cuts in at the last moment and it just soars off <laughs> into the distance Move over the Thai boys from the cave. <laughs> <laughs> the rescue yeah. operation for the hundred is. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm I'm just generally quite confused about this hundred <laughs> chat now. It feels like, as I understand it from our conversation, if if they don't manage to sort it out, then it has to operate on WTO rules. Is that the, <laughs> yeah? That's how it works. The so no deal hundred, just no cricket will be played between June and August in uh, 2020. Anyway, yeah, uh, we're going yeah. super long. But do you want to just quickly? Well, it's been a while. So. Do you want to just quickly tell me? Well, you say that you don't have to edit this. Do you want to just quickly talk to me about your experience at the Cheltenham Festival? I don't know whether I've got any good gags or anything. That's all right. No, it's, wanna, it's, 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 it's not though. all about gags, Tony, all the time. <laughs> I just want to know. Saying, I just want to know what you thought about it. Just before you hit record, you're like gags, Tony. Gags, <laughs> gags, gags. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah, went popped down. Was in the area. Popped down to uh, to the college ground uh, at Cheltenham College. More gags. But it, it was really nice. Yeah, spent a few hours down there on a Tuesday afternoon. How many people God. were there? Tough to say. Maybe twenty five hundred. That's quite a lot, actually. Not bad. Yeah. Genuinely felt compelled to whisper though when talking it was it was very very quiet uh although uh local boy miles hammond uh made a century or got to a century while i was there so people might have just been like just hushed but it did seem to go on for quite a while Hmm. they were they were hushed from quite early on in his innings as far as i could see uh but yeah it was lovely uh yeah beautiful setting was it because tony kerr was in the house yeah maybe just everyone tony kerr's here but uh, yeah, pretty cool. That was his debut first class century. Uh, and he was born in Cheltenham, so that's quite cool. Out, you know, it's nice. It's an outground. It felt like, although there were more people, like the old uh, like county exhibition games they used to have in Guernsey, uh, like in September. So they used to, every year, I don't know, I can't remember who organised it. We were a bit younger. Lord's Tavern, is only. Was it? Was it? Yeah, yeah, so they brought over two county teams to play a game of cricket and basically get pissed. Uh, it's sort of mid-September. It was really fun as a kid, but it was like that. It was just like you know, tents all around, and then but a couple of stands. Yeah, it was. Didn't you get one of Graham Thorpe's pads? Yeah, or, I know. We got was... quite a lot of stash. <laughs> was that some of the big lads? Hey, well, Gordon got something. Gordon was annoyed with someone for a long time. He was Ian, Ian Ward. Ward. Yeah, yeah, he was livid with Ward. I can't remember why. Did Ward promise him something which he didn't give? I don't know. We we'll have to get him. He's in Guernsey at the moment, actually. We'll Ian Ward. Him. No, Gordon McRae. Yeah, we'll have to find out. Uh, But yeah, it was nice. I mean, yeah, it couldn't be further removed, though, from my blast experience. I mean, that's it. Literally couldn't be more... You know, the average age of the people there... Yeah, it was a Tuesday afternoon. Like, obviously, there's a certain demographic of people who most of whom can't be there Mm -hmm. for a very good reason. Uh, So, yeah, it was quite an old crowd. Uh, A lot of people just on their own, just kind of watching. I mean... Again, not to get too much into like the future of cricket chat, but like, yeah, it's all well and good saying like we want to attract women and children to cricket, but there really is only a certain 
there is a certain demographic of people who will go and watch cricket on their own on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> well, true, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. That's what I mean, though. I've said this earlier. Like, it's kind of amazing that the same sport can draw such very different crowds that you'd see at the T20 Blast compared to what you're talking about. Like, I mean, maybe there are other sports, but you don't really see it in football or rugby or golf, even tennis. I mean, I'm just, I'm maybe like Davis Cup compared to Wimbledon, but it's a it's a narrower spectrum, I think. Yeah, the the crowd at the Blast, it's just people kind of dancing and drinking and not even necessarily watching the cricket that much and just on a night out compared to the sort of uh, county aficionados on Tuesday afternoon watching a four-day game. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, a totally different experience. It, it, that's one of the things with living in Guernsey. You know, obviously there is we play a bit of cricket occasionally. I won't mention your latest uh, oh, adventures Jesus Christ. in the middle. But I've actually felt really depressed today. You know, obviously we lead as we said. You know, it's been a busy summer so far. Like in a perfect world, I would really actually quite like to go down and watch a, a an evening league game in Guernsey, or you know, if the, you know. A, watch a bit of cricket it's a really nice thing to do but i barely have time to play it let alone go to go down and watch i, I think barely, i barely have time to podcast about yeah, it exactly, exactly. but yeah. you know what i mean yeah so but actually it's a, it it was such a nice little couple of hours or few hours at the, at the cricket like it would be nice to do that every couple of weeks mm. or yeah a few times a summer for sure i don't know anyway we <sighs> could talk about this for a long time we could it's unbelievably <laughs> hot in here much like England's run at the Football World Cup, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a glorious, unexpected, once-in-a-lifetime golden moment that within a matter of days will start to seem like some sort of weird, faded dream. It's time to end the show, Tone, That's what I'm saying. Have you had fun tonight? I've had a good time. I've had a blast. Oh, that's clever. Could, yeah. That's clever. That's sort of a callback to things yeah, we've exactly. been talking about earlier. It's been good to catch up. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to be doing regular stuff from now on, aren't we, really? Yeah, pods all throughout the India series. Yeah, and then the hotly anticipated Sri Lanka ODIs in October. Something to look forward to. Well, and, and there's tests in Sri yeah, Lanka. No, exactly, yeah, exactly. Be facetious. Was that a gag? More gags, Tone. Come on. Well, yeah, it's been good to chat with you, Tone. Although saying that, it's not as if we haven't seen much of each other yeah. lately. Uh, I saw plenty of you. Last weekend, we were... At friend of the show Dave's wedding in Eastbourne. That was a good time, wasn't it? That's my review of the wedding. It was a good time. It was very nice, yeah. Lots of jolly japes to be had. We were tearing it up on the dance floor, you and me. We were. I got a little video of you. You might like to attach to the episode. I forgot about that. <laughs> I haven't seen the video, but I imagine it looks less impressive than it felt at the time. In your head, you were like, I am killing it. <laughs> I'm like, Bruno Mars out here. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> the next day, you, your review of my dancing was, you rewrote the rule book. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, I was like, oh, thanks very much. But I'm not sure it was necessarily meant as a compliment. I don't know what. I think you did all right. <laughs> there was a very funny moment at the end where the groom took his shirt off or found himself shirtless on the dance floor, and Tony Kerr was like, oh, I'm going to get a, get a piece of that action. So you ripped your shirt off as well. You like ran off to the side, ripped your shirt off, left it on a chair, then ran back onto the dance floor like, way. And at that moment, the DJ went, right, thanks, everyone. That brings us to the end. <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> I, I, when I see a fellow, you know, a close person, shirtless on the dance floor, my natural instinct is to jump in. 
with them. Your natural instincts kick in. Yeah, exactly. It just instinct takes over. Well, it was a very funny moment, but it was a it was a it was a fun time, wasn't it? It was fun hanging out with you. Yeah. In a way. That was good. I mean, there were other people there as well who it was more fun to hang out with, but saw a bit of you as well. Um, So, yeah, as you say, we're going to be back soon, much sooner than last time. We'll be back after the first test to talk about that and look ahead to the next one. And uh, lots more to talk about as well. You've read a book, Tone, and it's about cricket. So there's some pretty extraordinary things there to talk about, which maybe we'll touch on next time. Uh, But between now and then, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, there are various ways that you can get more involved. We're on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. We're on Twitter, at cricket show. I'm at Adam Bayfield12. Tony's at Tony Cover. We're on Instagram, at world cricket show. Write a review on uh, iTunes or whichever podcast platform you use. If you want to support the show, uh, that is a great way of doing it. It does help to bring new listeners to the party. Uh, if you want to support us financially, there's a couple of ways you can do that. But if you look on our website, cricketshow.net, the links are there. So that is about it, I think, except to say that uh, we have another podcast, Tony and I and some of our pals' podcast about films, the Little Film Podcast, which is available on iTunes and SoundCloud and various other podcast platforms. And a new episode came out this week uh, about the film Hereditary, supposedly the scariest movie for decades but yeah that's it thanks for joining me tone it's been a pleasure stay in school everyone school's out for the summer but it'll be september before you know it we'll be back soon but before then may i just say it's been an honor tone bye-bye for now cheery god it is really wow hot in it here. is absolutely sweltering <laughs> oh my god I can smell your fear. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.